Hello, and welcome back to the Books and Bones podcast, where we discuss books and their film adaptations. We're your hosts, Jelena. And Jen. And today we are discussing the film Apocalypse Now, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Nice. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the film and then my first impressions. Okay, yeah, because you this was your first time watching the film. Yeah. Um, oh, before we okay, start, though... Oh, sorry, what? <laughs> I was going to say, um, we should note that we watched the final cut version of the film. Oh, right. And that one is three hours and a minute long. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we watched that version. But before we were, we were trying to watch it in our separate households. And <laughs> it was actually incredibly difficult because one thing wasn't working. And then, you know... We were trying to watch yeah. it at the same time. And then also, if anyone didn't know this, you Amazon Prime has a watch party. Uh, but That's yeah, what we tried so. to do, but it didn't work the first time. So Yeah, that was kind of annoying. But I'm glad we were able to figure that out and then yeah. watch the movie. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to start off by letting you all know who's in the movie. Um, so, yes, Apocalypse Now, it was made in 1979. The director is Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola. Oh, my gosh. Co- Coppola. Coppola. Um, his other notable works, The Godfather, The Godfather Part Two, and The Conversation. Uh, this was written, the writers of the film included John Milius. I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Francis Coppola and Michael Herr. Hair, mm-hmm. her, uh, the stars, and I only wrote down the first three, uh, like the character names, but it's Martin Sheen, who played Captain Benjamin L. Willard, uh, Marlon Brando, who played Colonel Walter E. Kurtz, uh, Robert Duvall, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Kilgore, and then the rest of the cast that I kind of recognized. Uh, Frederick Forrest, he was chef. Uh, Sam Bottoms, completely forgot who he was. <laughs> Lance. Um, what's that? He's Lance. Oh, right. Oh, duh. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, who I had no idea was in this movie. Uh, Albert Hall. And Jeez. and Harrison Ford. What? Do you, do you know his name? Apparently... Okay, according to Wikipedia, and I saw this as a fun fact, his name is Colonel G. Lucas. Like George Lucas. George, George Lucas. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I don't I don't think they actually say his name unless okay, they probably do. I was not paying attention clearly. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's so um, funny. Yeah, I, I went on Wikipedia and his name is Colonel G. Lucas. That's so funny. Because um, this was around Star Wars time. So. Well, to back that up, um, I came across a fun fact. Um, Apocalypse Now was supposed to be directed by George Lucas. Yeah, there's like plans. After years of development, there was plans for him to shoot the movie on a 16 millimeter black and white film in Stockton, California. Oh. And it was like on an incredibly small budget. Um, in a kind of documentary style, pseudo documentary style, oh. similar to the war film The Battle of Algiers. Oh, have you seen The Battle of Algiers? No, I've heard of it, 
Like it sounds very familiar, but yeah. Um, but anyways, he eventually made Star Wars. So yeah. Oh, I wonder if he like what would what would have happened with Star Wars had he made this film? Like, would Star Wars have like been on the back burner then, or would it just you know? Like, I wonder what what would have happened if he actually made this film instead. Uh, yeah, I honestly, I don't even know. Um, I was going to say that Scott Glenn, if you don't know who that is, I believe he played Sticks in Daredevil, and he was that um, oh, right. wise man in Sucker Punch, and I think he was in uh silence of the lambs but i haven't seen that movie so i like i think he's in it i'm pretty sure he's in it anyways he plays, yeah he plays uh captain richard colby and then um some other people dennis hopper as the photo journalist and jerry zeismer who was the assistant director as jerry the one who says the line terminate with extreme prejudice oh that's a like that's a famous line too from this movie. This this movie is just like full of famous this lines. This movie was a it was like a I don't want to say it, it wasn't a roller coaster. It was just a lot right from the beginning to yeah. the end. Um yeah. but this movie won 21 awards and it had 32 nominations. I'm not going to go through all of them because I looked at the list and it's quite large um but in 1980 for the oscars it won for best cinematography and best sound and then it was nominated for best picture best actor in in a supporting role which was for uh robert duvall and best director and then that same year for the golden globes it won best director motion picture uh best actor in supporting role and best original score and Carmine Coppola and Francis Ford were both part of the score. And very unrelated, but I thought this was super interesting. Um, Nicolas Cage is related to Carmine Coppola. And like Francis Coppola. Ford is his- Coppola. Dang it. Coppola. Coppola. It's like, you sound so dumb, Jin. You're saying it wrong. But anyways. It's okay, you're doing your best. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. And then Jason Schwartzman, like from he plays in all those um I'm drawing a blank. Wes and Wes Anderson, yep. <laughs> but anyways, uh I thought that was interesting. Um yeah. I have a well, couple of fun world. facts if you far out <laughs> if you wanna hear about those, and then I'll talk about my first impressions of the film. Sweet. All right. Let's go. Um, so this film, Francis Ford Coppola invested $7 million of his own money in the film after it went severely over budget. Yeah, that's intense. I just... That is um, determination to see this movie through to the end. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, this movie... While it was made severely over budget, um, you can see that the work that was put into it, had he not put the money into the film, I don't think it would have been made. Yeah. Um, And I wish I had seen The Godfather. Like, I had the movies chilling in my, on my shelf somewhere. But um, 
I imagine that the quality of it and like the story and like the production value and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. like it made sense. Like, like he put a lot of effort and like work and passion into it. Mm -hmm. And like from this article that I read from the guardian in 2019, um, it was basically like he wanted this film made properly. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like, if he okay, he would go like the really hard route instead of taking like the easy way, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, anyways, it was a really cool article, and I'll leave it in our blog post because one day we're gonna have a blog co- blog post <laughs> about it. Um, but it was really interesting because it was it was almost like one of those Vogue articles or like videos mm-hmm. where it's like really casual conversation and like something comes up new about the film that you didn't know kind of thing or yeah. like the making of the film. Yeah. Um, and then reading the article, I didn't know that there was a bunch of stuff that happened during it. Like what stuff? One being um, that uh, Coppola had an epileptic seizure. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so there was that. And like, they were um, uh, renting a Philippine. Oh, because the, the film was shot in the Philippines. I didn't say that. Um, but they were renting Philippine government uh, combat stuff, like helicopters. Mm-hmm. And um, those helicopters would repeatedly disappear to go off and do real combat. Oh, yeah, every time it would go, they would have to change the American flag to a Philippine flag and then vice versa. Oh, oh man. So it's like a constant, like, reading about it, like, that, the making of the movie sounded so stressful. <laughs> it was supposed to take six weeks, but it took 16 months to film. 238 days shooting in the Philippines. <laughs> That's insane. And then I, you had mentioned that uh Marlon Brando like he was supposed to have read the book yeah so um Francis Ford Coppola was like hey this movie is based on Heart of Darkness I guess he was under the impression that Marlo was gonna read the book and kind of like get an understanding of the character that he was gonna play but Marlon Brando showed up overweight yeah (laughs) he didn't read the book and Francis Ford Coppola would like sit and read it to him because he's like you need to understand (laughs) the kind of character you're playing i also read that uh he insisted that his character should be called colonel lee laley yeah i I read something like that too but i I, I was like what the heck it makes more sense for it to be kurtz yeah (laughs) it sounds better to be kurtz too it does yeah so that was a that was an insane thing to read um oh and then they also had the pilots were rarely the same so they're always like interchanging oh wow so there was there wasn't yeah a lot going on i read that the u.s government wouldn't um lend this equipment to coppola for the filming because of like the plot of the film i might be getting this wrong but that's kind of how i took it because the point is to go kill colonel kurtz and the U.S. government was like, no, we're not being like, we're not being connected to that in no shape or form. You guys are on your own. 
Do you think that's like um, them saying that it's an anti-war film or not an anti-war film? Because this article was called How It's Not an Anti-War Film. And Coppola literally said, um, uh, if he was to make an anti-war film, it would be like a family going to get married. There are small challenges going to a wedding Mm -hmm. in like a war populated area, but it would be happy. Like they would end up going and being with family and having a happy ending. Whereas this one, it it is not an anti-war film because, um, well, they were, they're in war. I kind of saw it as like, um, not that I have any like firsthand knowledge of what it's like to be in a war, but I kind of saw it as, you know, these are the, the horrors of war. This is what like soldiers have to go through. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to say this one last thing before we talk about the movie. Um, this is for uh, Ford, as if we're on like first name basis. Uh, this is Coppola's like little ending to this interview. Um, he says, "I never let not knowing how to do something stop me from trying to do it." He says, "I always got myself into the the." I always got myself into those situations because it was exciting and I got to do all these wonderful nutty things. Is the point of life just to live normal, calm, moderately happy existence? I mean, you only get it once, so. Oh, so he's just like, yeah, if I make a mistake, like, that's life. Yeah. And then, like... I wanted to mention a few other things from the article just about cinema, but like it's kind of unrelated to like the podcast, but he did say something about how cinema is different now today than it was back in when, I guess when he started, because um, right now it's always, it's like making the big bucks, making the big money and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas there it was like literally to tell a story, no matter what the budget was, the camera, whether it's grainy and really poor, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's the story that matters. Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah. So I've never watched the movie up until yesterday. I have more fun facts. Oh, you do. Go ahead. Okay. So <clears throat> Martin Sheen, who was 36 at the time, suffered from a heart attack while filming. However, um, it was covered up as heat exhaustion due to worries that backing would be withdrawn by the studio and distributor if news of Sheen's heart attack leaked out. So him and Coppola kept it. They kept it quiet. What? Yeah. So. Holy smokes. Um, let's see. Martin Sheen was actually drunk in the sequence at the beginning of the film. And he actually did injure his hand because at the time he was dealing with issues with alcohol. So if my memory is correct, he just told like the camera crew to just film and he's just going to like kind of like do stuff. And that's what he ended up doing. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Lawrence Fishburne lied about his age, and he was actually 14 at the beginning of production. What? Yeah. So, he, like, his character already is supposed to be pretty young. He's supposed to be 17. But Lawrence Fishburne was like, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm old enough. But, he, yeah, he was only 14. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, there ended up being over 200 hours of footage. So cut, cut that down to three hours. <laughs> How the um, heck? 
God. That must that must be exhausting to like go through. Like I'm not sure. Imagine. Yeah, like I'm not sure like what they filmed in terms of like you know plot wise, like what was left out or what they put in stuff like that. You know. Um, Yeah. Let's see. Um, So the voiceovers were actually done by Joe Estevez. 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 Um, That's Martin (laughs) Sheen's brother. So the voiceovers that you hear in the movie aren't actually Martin Sheen. That's it's his brother. What the heck? Is there a reason why, or just they? Um, Martin Sheen apparently wasn't available for voiceover oh, okay. work, so they got his brother, who sounds exactly like him and looks exactly like him. Yeah. So, um, there's no opening titles in the film. The name Apocalypse Now only appears towards the end as graffiti. Our motto, Apocalypse Now. The film could only be copyrighted if the title was seen in the film. Interesting. Yeah. And one last thing that I wanted to point out was Marlon Brando improvised the line, you're an errand boy sent by grocery clerks to collect a bill. Whoa. Like, like, geez, what a, sorry, what an amazing actor to to just improvise that. (laughs) Oh, man. That's actually really impressive and really, really cool. Yeah. I wish I was that smart. Right? (laughs) Like, it's like he was Kurtz for a bit there. Like, dang. Holy smokes. That's so cool. I read that the movie was going to be named The Psychedelic Soldier. Oh, wouldn't it have been about Lance? I was like, what the heck? But anyways, yeah, that that didn't happen. Thank God. <laughs> I like the name Apocalypse now. That's really cool. It sounds really epic. If you hadn't told me what it was about, I would have been like, it, I don't Yeah, just I don't out know. Of, out of loss. I'd be just like, yeah, cool. Oh, I guess we should also mention, because we forgot to mention this. Um, the plot of this film is different from the book in the sense that Willard is sent to kill Kurtz rather than rescue him right yeah and this is during the vietnam war yeah what was the river i can't i couldn't remember the river it was like it's not nile is it no hold on it was something else um but 200 hours of footage we need crap. fictional nung nung that's what so it the says river in, was that's what it says fictional. on spark notes yeah the rival the rival the, <laughs> the river is fictional and it's called the Nung River. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, all right, let's. Uh, well, my first impressions of the film was uh, it was a ride. Mm-hmm. It's tiring. Yep. Exhausting. It was exhausting, but I was like, okay, someone's gonna like in these types of movies, you know, someone's gonna die, but you don't know which order it's gonna happen or how it's gonna happen. And, yeah, or how it's gonna happen. Um. So there's a scene where they they reach like a a point and they have to go over or they have to go through like a bridge or whatever and people are like take me home like there were soldiers yeah and their plane had crashed right yeah and uh, what's his name again the surf dude Lance Lance right and then Lance takes uh like it was was it mushrooms well LSD. acid he took acid yeah. And uh, I thought he was going to die in that scene. You know what? Out of all the characters, I thought he was going to be the one to, like, act, you know, either the first one or 
like for sure he was gonna die but like he was just kind of vibing the whole time yeah he he was just himself and then he uh he had like a puppy or whatever when they did like a search on like another boat yeah and they took a puppy and then um yeah we i was really really nervous for that dog we don't know what happened to the puppy (laughs) we don't know what happened to the puppy i'm just gonna assume the puppy you know lived a good life he's he's like i'm out of here man (laughs) he jumped off the boat (laughs) swam to shore uh he's living he's living a good life yeah and i noticed that i had to pay attention to the movie especially over the the like the voiceovers like the narration yeah because sometimes i would like wait what? Yeah, because he's like breaking down the plot and yeah. like, what's going on in his head, and then like other things. Yeah, I I really yeah. liked that the fact that it was a voiceover because it's like we're hearing, you know, directly like his thoughts, what he thinks of Kurtz, you know, what's going on in his life. He was talking about his divorce at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess we'll go like deeper into characters later on. But let's talk about our least, uh, our, our least favorite parts. Let's talk about significant moments in the movie. Um. Well, I said that I liked the the music, specifically the use of the Doors' "The End," mm-hmm. um, especially when it's used at the end of the film because of like what's happening when the song is playing. It's when Willard is on his way to murder Kurtz. Um, I like the line, we train young men to drop fire on people, but their commanders won't allow them to write fuck on their airplanes because it's obscene. Yeah. I really like that. Cause like as crazy as Kurtz is like, it is really, it is true. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's like, you're, you have these men go through like the horrors of war, but like you draw the line at the, like a, an obscene word. Another another good quote from this film is I love the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> so, okay, I had to Google this because I had no idea what napalm was, but it's used to thicken gasoline to use in flamethrowers or firebombs. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And then of course the infamous line, the horror, the horror. Yeah, he executed that really well. The whisper. It was almost like a whisper, I guess. Yeah. I had no idea what Marlon Brando would look like in this movie, to be honest, because I didn't Google it. It's a good thing you didn't. Because I was quite shocked because I'm like, whoa, that's not him. But it obviously is him. Yeah. When they're that's- showing the pictures, it's like, OK, that's obviously Marlon Brando. But then you, when you see him, what he actually looks like. In IRL. <laughs> in IRL. In yeah. IRL. <laughs> Oh no 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 no! Um, um, but yeah, it's it's funny because he's he wasn't supposed to look the way he did look in the movie. Like he showed up overweight, and Francis Ford Coppola was like, "This is not what he's supposed to look like. He's supposed to be like slim and sickly, and yeah. you know, like kind of over." Not overtaken by the jungle, but like consumed by the jungle, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so Coppola had to like use camera tricks to make him look tall, 
to explain why he was so big. Yeah. Because if you re- remember that one shot of his silhouette in the doorway, he does actually look really tall. Oh, But yeah. in actuality, he's not He's not actually not that tall. I think he's like 5'7". He's 5'7". Yeah, so they they had to kind of make it look like he was really tall to explain his bigger appearance. Oh, interesting. But at the same time, I I don't know. I kind of like the idea that he was like this taller or he had a taller appearance because it it kind of added to, you know, how important this character is supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be he's supposed to think he's he's god to these people um yeah he's supposed to be for like a lack of a better word woke <laughs> you know you know what i mean uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like you know it it makes sense for him to kind of like i guess tower over these these people but yeah, yeah i didn't think of it like, like that but that makes complete sense yeah um a big part that I found pretty unsettling watching it this time around was when Clean died. And it was because he was listening to that tape from his mom. And yeah, he got shot. Um, Chief is mourning his death and the tape is still going on. Like, oh, like, um, it's a surprise. Like, we got you a car. Um, like, come home in one piece. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just like, oh, man. When like, then his dad was going to send him more tapes. Yeah. Like they have no idea. They have uh, no it's idea. Really that sad. He's yeah. And they didn't, they, they don't take his body home. They bury it over there. Yeah. I was wondering about that because like, um, they set it off him off to the side, like as the boat continued, I truly thought they were going to bring him back. Yeah. But I guess during that, I don't think they did that during that time. I guess not. Well, like, I'm not too sure. I, yeah, it's, it's hard a, to say because I, I don't I don't really know about that kind of history, like what yeah, they would do with the, the bodies. Because what it looks like um, in terms of the rest of the film, like where there are other dead bodies, they kind of just leave them where they are. Yeah. So, Speaking I don't know. of dead bodies um they used real dead bodies did they yeah there was a grave what are they called grave not grave chaser grave Um, digger yes grave digger um a production manager uh put the kibosh on the cadavers after local police began investigating turns out the cadavers so to not cadavers the cadaver supplier was robbing um area cemeteries for their inventory quotations oh my gosh that's disgusting yeah that's awful i know and then when i was reading that part, i was like what the actual oh my gosh i don't like that that's awful and like at the end when they were like sacrificing a cow and you said it was oh, a real cow real yeah Thank goodness they it was like one take, but still, like to see that on screen, yeah. that's very, 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 very unsettling to watch. It's like, oh my gosh, it looks so real. It's because it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. So 
the props or like the one props manager really attempted to take the authenticity of, you know, if they took it to the extreme. So like, that's interesting, isn't it? It's honestly, you know, it sounds like making, I don't know, this, this movie is just, wow. Making this movie sounds rough. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) on top of like the amount of hours it took. Yeah. Or days. Like Martin Sheen had a heart attack. Like, holy smoke. The heck? Oh my gosh. One of the scenes that still like stick to my mind is when they were at the end of the river. Oh, and they're like coming to the <laughs> the gates of hell, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it was so creepy to watch because, like, I it took me a while to realize that it was people. Yeah, and their faces were just painted white. Yeah, yeah, it was really creepy to. I thought that was really eerie and like it like, worked really well. It was to so, making it was you know, so still. Like, it was quiet. Like no, there was no sound. Yeah. Other than like the water going, you know, going through, like the boat going through the water. Yeah. If I was there, I'd be like, that's like, then let's just, let's just, let's just turn around. Let's just go back. I don't I, know. You see it from a distance. You're like, no, I'll just, yeah, just turn yeah. around. You know, no, I'm good. I'm good. We'll just say that we killed. We, we did our job yeah. or we'll just, you know, let's yeah. just run away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, that was a that was an interesting scene. Yes, and like all the the now I feel weird saying this like all the dead bodies that were kind of like strewn all over the place too. Like, yeah, there's the hanging ones. There's the like it was just it just it seems so casual in a way. Like they don't think anything of it when they see all these dead bodies, which is you know pretty pretty disturbing yeah it's kind of like just the normal now because yeah it's like it it didn't look like they like tried to move them or anything like wherever they died like they just left them there oh and the heads yeah the heads thing was really i was really worried about that part to be honest because in the book the the heads were you know on the stakes yeah yeah and then i'm like oh god what is it gonna look like in the movie yeah i because i knew i knew chef was gonna die and that they were gonna show his head and i was like oh i actually forgot like when they're gonna show it <laughs> so when they did i was like oh no chef because uh, he poor- like go ahead Hi. yeah oh, i was just gonna say poor guy um like he was he's going through some stuff whenever there was any like type of uh event or like violent encounter with guns and stuff yeah he wasn't he saying like i like this is not what i signed up for i just wanted to cook yeah like a a lot of the stuff that was happening he he just really didn't want to be there no and then like that's so sad because probably wasn't trained it was just like yeah you're gonna be a cook here and like you're not gonna have to be in combat or nothing yeah but just like here you go here's a gun yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty. That was sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was also the part where um, when Chief died, he was impaled by the spear and right. he fell over and he was trying to pull Willard on top of him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, didn't he say, okay, so they were fighting back when the spirit or like when the sticks were throwing or being thrown. And then Willard was like, no, no, they're just sticks. Like, stop shooting. Like, they're trying to scare us. Yeah. Like, they're just, and then, and then all of a sudden he gets impaled or like not impaled, like, impaled. like a spirit goes right through his chest it's and like, impaled. <laughs> it's impaled. It's oh impaled. my gosh. But anyways, he gets like impaled and like, it was almost kind of like, almost like you son of a bitch i i knew this was gonna happen yeah yeah and the fact that um he was saying like oh i'm not supposed to know where i'm going i'm just doing what i'm told you know it's like oh man he had no he had no idea like what they were going into it just sucks because i guess yeah technically willard couldn't tell anyone what they were doing yeah he was only supposed to, you know, take them, take, he was only supposed to be taken to his destination and then yeah. he just had, just happened to have a crew with him. Yeah. Um, But I like Chief though, because he kind of like, he didn't really take crap from Willard. Yeah. Because that was his, his boat. Yeah. Um, he was the chief. He was the chief. He was the chief. <laughs> Yeah, I just like, ugh, man, it's it sucks because I don't know. Again, like what I was saying before with Lance, I was like, oh man, like this guy's not going to make it, and he made it. He made it all the way, and all because he was. It just seemed he was so chill. Like it was, like for his character, <laughs> because he he acted the way he was, like just so like vibing or whatever. It's like, oh, your typical, you know, California dude. Timeline of- yeah surfer dude (laughs) yeah but his his uh his cool vibe saved him in the end because when like the sacrifice was happening and um willard was gonna go kill kurtz like he was just hanging out yeah he was with he was in the crowd and then willard grabbed him (laughs) yeah (laughs) like what the heck oh Um, so I was going to ask if there was anything you would change about this film and big emphasis on the, the French plantation scene, because, well, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. Um, I don't really remember it in the original cut, which is the first version that I saw. Um, if it's in there, I'm sorry, like I have a terrible memory, <laughs> but I don't, I really didn't remember anything about that scene. so. When I was watching it, I was kind of like, oh, well, this is this is kind of random. Like, it felt so out of place. I felt that it kind of interrupted the flow of the film. It, it kind of unnecessarily added a romance scene. Um, but I did read a comment on a video saying that um, this person liked this scene, like this whole part, because um, the plantation felt like purgatory. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that's an interesting take. Because, like, it, it kind of it does, because it's, like, their last stop before they go to Kurtz, you know? Yeah. Um, there was something that talked about that. Um, oh, it's different. But there was some type of, like, divine comedy in there. Yeah. In the movie. That makes a, that makes a lot of sense, because if you all aren't familiar with like purgatory it's like when you're when you die there's like layers of 
<laughs> it's like layers of hell. Mm-hmm. And like purgatory is the one where you're like stuck. It's almost like Hotel California. Mm-hmm. You can leave. Uh, or no, you can stay. Oh, wait. How does the lyric go? I forget. You can check out any time you want, but you can never leave. Yeah. So you're you're stuck there. Like it's it's a terrible place to be stuck. And one day I would like to read the Divine Comedy. It would make sense if you read it. Mm-hmm. I should probably read it now. Um, but yeah, no, no, that's that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and um, because when I was watching the film and that part, I didn't, I didn't really like it. But now that I'm thinking about it that way, I'm like, oh man, that is like, that is really cool in the sense that you know this feels so out of place. Mm-hmm. Like you have these these people in these nice clothes like they're in the middle of the jungle like they don't try to leave no um so apparently because i unfortunately i was not paying attention a lot to this part because i didn't (laughs) like it i'm so sorry um but apparently this sequence kind of spells out um explicitly what you know the film is about you like you know how like heart of darkness is like british imperialism yeah and you know stuff like stuff like that like this this <laughs> sequence <laughs> i know i forgot what this i forgot what the book was about already <laughs> but the scene is supposed to kind of spell out you know uh exactly what's happening in the film rather than you know you figuring it out for yourself but yeah i didn't now that i'm thinking about it i didn't hate it but I just, it just, it did feel like there is a, an interruption in the flow. It did make sense to me. Because the, the, the two big things that happen after and before is clean dies and then chief dies. So it was almost like, um, <laughs> I, I guess it was almost like a break in the film to take a breath. Yeah. Um, I can see that. And the, I like, I guess there's like nothing wrong with that, but, um, I guess because of how I remember this film, it it flowed and this was just kind of like, oh, man, like what's going on now? Yeah, but I guess that's what he wanted because I think he went into the was in the studio or was in obviously he was involved in like the final cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe this. I might be wrong. Um, the French plantation scene was also in the Redux version. Yes. Yes. Because that version how, is like how, three and a half hours long. That one's three and a half hours long. Where yeah. the heck can you watch that? I mean, I don't want. I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it again. Oh, it was a lot. Oh, I guess to put it in perspective for those who haven't seen the Redux or the Final Cut, um, the original cut is two hours and twenty seven minutes long, I believe, and Redux is like th- three and a half. Or three, like 15 minutes or something like that. Holy smokes. Yeah, so we got like a whole half an hour of content in this final cut. Honestly, at one point I was like, okay, when is it going to end? It's going to end like right at, (laughs) it's going to end right at the end, which was when. The end happened. The end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like. Oh man, I knew like when they reached the end of the river, I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> you're, you're texting me, you're like, here we go. <laughs> like rubbing, rubbing my hands. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I came for. 
Um, I just want to mention that our mom watched it with us. I think we mentioned it before in the beginning, but no, we didn't. No, okay. Anyway, I just find it funny that <laughs> our mom watched the movie with us. She caught. Oh man, she what? She didn't watch the first. I thought it was like twenty it. minutes. I I don't remember, but yeah, she she caught like a really good chunk of the film and by the end we were just like exhausted like it's a it's an amazing movie don't get me wrong i love this movie but you know if you're like really trying to you know follow the story and delve into the psyche of the character like it is pretty exhausting i agree i guess that's why they do it in like film class because that's where you watched it yeah we watched i watched this movie first year university yeah <laughs> do you do you remember like why they chose that one why your prof chose it um it was an introduction to film type class so it was just an intro to like all of these films um we also watched on the waterfront which also stars marlon brando if you didn't know oh. um we watched showgirls <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> uh what else did we watch yeah, we watched we watched a few films. I don't remember all of them, but yeah, kind of like, like an epic like introduction to film. I, I think, think I think I've like. said this before. Um, in high school, it was a big deal. Like um, we got we kind of got in trouble for watching Girl Interrupted. Yeah, I watched. Which, it. Like to be fair, that is a really heavy film to watch. But then you go to university, like f- how many months later, and then you watch like films like this. I feel like, what if they just think we're, like, immature in high school just because it's high school? But we, but you're, like, you're setting yourself up for university. So, yeah. like, what difference does it make? Yeah, probably. I saw your comment. Oh, my gosh. My keyboard is sick, man. Yeah, she's she's lit up. <laughs> um, I Okay, so I wanted to talk about, I tried Googling and searching, like, why some shots were filmed the way they were. Mm-hmm. Um. And I was trying to think back into my my one class of film. Oh man! <laughs> but in the beginning, when um, Willard was brought in, t- like for a meeting on like his new assignment, mm-hmm. and like he had lunch and shrimp or whatever. Yeah. Um, three times they were looking. It looked like they were looking directly in the camera, like they were talking to you. Yeah. And I just like it. Just kind of like why. There has to be a reason why, but I couldn't find one. Mm. I guess I wasn't looking hard enough, but if anyone watches the movie um, and you notice that and you find it, please let me know. Yeah. Maybe it's kind of, they're like looking into your soul here. They're like, you're about to go on a journey. Hey, you're about to go on a, be. You're about to go on a wild ride here. Yeah. Cause leading up to that, it was pretty, I don't want to say normal, but it was very calm. Yeah. Because then the following day yeah. is when, like, shit hit the fan. Yeah. Um, I also want to comment on Robert Duvall's performance. He was in this movie for 11 minutes. That's what I read. <laughs> and he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Like, what a man. What a champ. Honestly, yeah. Like, he deserved it. Like, his character is quite memorable. Especially because he's, like, he's pretty much kill them but save them. Yeah. And um, he's, he's what, uh, for lack of a better word, swashbuckling almost. Yeah. 
Like he's not afraid. He's just like, all right, this is this is what we're doing. This is it. And like he was drinking a cup of coffee when they're on route to the thing or wherever they're going. Mm-hmm. And then there's some turbulence and then it's just like, you know. Yeah. Tumbles out of his hand. But I just thought that was so funny because it's like you're you're in air and you're gonna start firing at some people. Mm-hmm. Yet you took the time to bring your cup of coffee ab- aboard yeah. the helicopter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what a man. What an amazing character. He really made the most of it. <laughs> yeah. Kudos to him. I've read um, comments where people are like, um, oh, something like, I bet Robert Duvall like, didn't even know that he was in a movie. Like, <laughs> just, just himself. <laughs> Same with Dennis Hopper. They're like, these guys had no idea they were shooting a movie. Like, they just showed up. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, probably. <laughs> but damn, did they give a good performance. <laughs> oh, man. I wanted to kind of briefly... I know they're a big deal in the film. I wanted to touch on um, Willard and Kurtz, like their characters. Because um, I might be wrong in this but to me they kind of seem like they're two sides of the same coin oh because um as they go up river willard is starting to kind of understand and maybe not necessarily agree with but he gets where kurtz is coming from in terms of in terms of his like philosophy and psychology but the difference between them is that um like willard still understands you know what his job is he still has a task to carry out he's like he's not going to join willard even though it not willard's not going to join willard willard's not going <laughs> to join kurt even though like it may seem that way for like a moment yeah. it's kind of like oh man like maybe maybe he is right but i feel like he still has a moral compass mhm i know like uh using that loosely because he kills this guy but um i feel like willard still you know he he doesn't lose his sanity essentially is what i'm trying to say it's like he has better control over it because he's kind of already gone through shit yeah and kurtz kind of sees himself um as this god i guess Mm -hmm. and he does have like a huge amount of power and control over these people and like even dennis hopper's character the photojournalist he was like yeah like he said he's gonna kill me and he actually meant it right because wasn't it like he's like oh i took a photo of him and then he said like if you if you do that again i'm gonna kill you and his character was like yeah man he actually meant it he was gonna kill me (laughs) what i noticed about him too he was like it's almost like he fell under that spell of uh, Kurtz's whole shtick, like his godlike thing. Yeah, because he was he was very um, he was almost like telling Willard, like man, like he just sees everything how it is or whatever. Yeah, or it's like he has he knows what he's talking about. Like he's he's real, man. Like he's he's, he's like, not crazy. Yeah, even he's speaking, he's clearly lost his mind. Yeah. Um, 
you just kind of lost it, I guess. I guess being in that jungle for, I guess, is it a jungle? Yeah, I guess it would be a jungle for that long. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that, but like, was was this, and this is, I'm not like trying to analyze this part. This is just a genuine question. But were there moments where like the water was green, like almost as green as the trees or like there was just green hues a lot? Or was this just my TV? No, I noticed that too. Okay, okay. I was just checking because I was like, there's a lot of green going on, but like I see it in the trees and I'm like, but but it's in the sky and like everyone's wearing green, but like yeah. the water's really green. Everything's green. <laughs> everything's green. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean to be green? <laughs> um, oh, you know what? Just a moment of brilliance just came upon me, oh, but maybe lance survived because he put on warp he like he put on camouflage paint they're like what are you doing that for uh, and he's like um, does that make sense kurtz did that too right yeah when yeah, he when did. he when he gave when he gave like just casual when he gave willard uh chef's head he was wearing camouflage paint yeah interesting but then like so was willard too at the end well, I mean, well, he survived. So, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So right. maybe like maybe the camo paint was like almost like a form of survival, because everyone else was like, "What are you doing to your face?" Yeah. Like, what you putting that on for? Yeah. And then they all died. It's like he, I don't know. I guess he knew what he had to do to survive, even though he was under the influence of drugs most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting point. I never thought of it that way. Mm. Thank you, brain. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Fully, you can see our webcam. It's <laughs> actually pretty cool. I like this this format. It's a cool. Um, um, but yeah, so I don't know. What else? Are we? Did we miss anything? I would say, um, if you haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend it. Um, in terms of which version to watch. I think my favorite is still the original cut because it has the best flow. Yeah, so if you if you want to watch the version with the French plantation to maybe make your own conclusions about it being purgatory, then I would recommend the final cut. I haven't seen the Redux version because it's very long. Yeah. And I, now I kind of want to watch it. But maybe in like a couple months. Yeah, uh, give it give it a few give it a few days at least. I just need a breath, a breath. I just need breath. <laughs> but yeah, no, this movie's like it's crazy in the sense that it's amazing. I really enjoyed it, even though no, I just I just enjoyed the film. I I don't ever have the brain capacity to watch these types of movies a lot mm-hmm. um because lord knows how many movies jelena told me to watch on criterion but um <laughs> those are mostly <laughs> french films though and they're very they're pretty easy to uh to get into like yeah. i don't I, I think i told you about the umbrella of sherbrogue Sher- Sher- yeah yeah like they just sing the whole time like as if they were talking it's not like can you imagine if we did a whole podcast with just singing but like obviously it would be terrible singing. 
we like cover the movie for no reason and then we just like sing the whole episode <laughs> wait are there any like musical ad- book adaptations Les Mis <sighs> Phantom of the Opera yeah Phantom of the Opera there you go perhaps we will do that Mm, (laughs) um but no i like i really enjoyed this movie i'm really glad that i finally got to watch it Mm -hmm. i mean i could have watched it at any point yep honestly but yep this was a nice reason how many years did i tell you to watch it Hmm. (laughs) let's not talk about that Hmm. (laughs) it was a lot Hmm. yes a lot there's just you know you know um to be fair like this is not a well maybe to some people it is but this is not like a casual film where you're just like i'm just gonna sit down and watch apocalypse now <laughs> hey guys what you doing today oh i just uh watched apocalypse now like how do you like how are you okay like do you need time to breathe <laughs> like do you need a more like do you need a hug are you going through something like but- are you okay like this yeah this movie is uh it's pretty it's just heavy it's just exhausting to go through in the in but the best way possible. I agree. I'll leave you off with the uh, the tomato rating rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, oh, can you guess? Um, the tomato meter ninety percent. Oh, you're far off. Ninety eight percent. Oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then the audience score was ninety four percent, and then. The critics' consensus. I really like reading the critics' consensus because it's either like spot on or like really mean. But this one, they wrote Francis Ford Coppola's haunting, hallucinatory Vietnam War epic is cinema at its most audacious, audacious, and visionary. Dang. So, this and then is, they gave like, I'm not a film critic. <laughs> I'd be, I was just like, I, know, I, was like, like, I don't like that. I can't do any of this um and then yeah so there you go this movie Great. is considered one of the greatest movies of all time like not yeah. just like one of the greatest war movies but one of the, the greatest movies in general it is and i can see that now i can't say it now all right so thank you friends for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did it was a it was a ride for sure but you know what? I really enjoyed it. This was a great movie. Highly recommend it. So next month, <laughs> we're going to be finally reading and watching Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Oh, man. Jen's been waiting for this day since the beginning I've been waiting for like, what, two years? And it is time. I am so excited. We have a guest coming on the show, our first guest. So I'm like... I'm actually really nervous because I've never done it before. Well, be that's great. a lie. I've done guests, it'll be, but it'll it's be gonna be fun. Yes, it'll be it'll be great. It'll, the the episode is just gonna be Jen talking about why she loves the book. No one else is gonna be able to get a word in. So, <laughs> look, looking forward to that. <laughs> You're like, I don't even need to read the book. Jen's, Jen's gonna ask questions and be like, she'll like answer them for us too. <laughs> it'll be like, what did you think about it? This is what you thought about it. <laughs> no, you thought um, wrong. This is what you thought about it. <laughs> you didn't like that part? Think again. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I'm so excited. But anyways, I can keep talking about it. So let's close this. And yeah, 
thank you for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Books and Bones Podcast. Uh, if you like this episode, please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, new episodes available every other week, and we'll see you next week for Pride and Prejudice. Woo, finally. All right. Bye. Bye.